We're in a third week of a series on 1 Peter that we've entitled Faith Under Pressure. We began it three weeks ago in the first week by looking at this theme from the perspective of the beginning of the letter where Peter speaks of salvation as a precious gift that comes to us in Christ, giving us the ability to be set apart, given a purpose in life. He says, be holy as as God is holy, and by that holiness, we understand that he is asking us to consider our purpose, in our special purpose in this world. Last week, Pastor Dan helped us understand what life looks like as we are transformed and changed. If we are in Christ, we're never staying the same, and that it all comes to expression in the way that we love one another. Today, I'd like us to open uh, chapter 2 of 1 Peter and, and begin looking at the vice in this picture. I'd like us to ask, what is this, this vice for you? What in your life causes pressure? What causes pain? For the first recipients of this letter, it likely was their their pressure and their pain had to do with the fact that they lived in a time and a place that was extremely unfriendly to their religious beliefs. We have a significant group of folks in the room today in this congregation who could tell you firsthand what this feels like. In the country of Pakistan, 98% of the people are decidedly not believers in Jesus. The vast majority are practicing Muslims. In fact, those who follow Christ in Pakistan will tell you that persecution is a daily reality. This is a a unique kind of pressure that most of us who who have lived our lives in the United States, we know nothing about this. But it becomes extremely painful when you're prevented from getting a job or prevented from being considered for a promotion because you believe in Jesus. Can you imagine? Not to mention the fact that you need to constantly watch your back, really on a daily basis. You can't attend church without armed guards and high cement walls with razor wire on top of them. It is intense to be a follower of Jesus in a setting like that. So there's a pressure. So your pain or pressure may not be like that, but I can imagine that there's something that you could identify this morning as a pressure point in your life. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Pressure. And pain, and, and I believe God is teaching me something here. One of the worst kinds of pressure or pain is, is what we might call pointless pressure or unexpected, unexplained pain. When your body is not cooperating with you, or when you're feeling pressure but you don't know where it's coming from, you just don't know why. I believe it's possible that Peter is writing to people, 
people he has identified in the beginning of his letter as exiles. Those who are living in an earthly kingdom that is at odds with their heavenly citizenship. He's identified one potential source of their pressure right from the beginning of this letter. Being an exile is tough. Cultures and societies have a way of pressuring us to fall in line. And Peter knew this of his fledgling churches. He wants his, to help his readers with this pressure. So he does something really interesting. He reminds them of who they are. He calls them priests. Verse 5 of our text. A holy priesthood. You are a priesthood. Now, this is the kind of a, a complicated picture, and I, I want to explain it a little this morning, hoping not to make it more complicated than it is. Part of the challenge here in this passage is that Peter is using multiple metaphors all at once. In the first three chap- verses of chapter two, it's newborn infants and spiritual milk that causes uh, good growth and, and maturity. And then he shifts to the metaphor of stones, living stones. And he talks about Christ as being the cornerstone, but that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. And then he shifts again to being a holy priesthood. Now, it's tempting to try to create a unified picture here, taking all these metaphors of infants drinking milk, living stones, and priests, but I think that would miss the point. One thing we need to know is that the, the, the piling up of metaphors like this was a, it was a sign of good communication in Peter's day. Not so much today. Our English teachers in school emphasize clarity and structure. They want us to get to the point and stick with it. Use one metaphor, that's enough. <laughs> But in Peter's day, and also in the Apostle Paul's day, by the way, the clustering of images just meant that you were encouraged to pause and unpack them. Meditate on it. Stop and think about what these, what these metaphors might mean. What they may yield as you spend some time with it. The kind of thing you might do in a, in a personal Bible study or in a group Bible study, and talk about them, and and think about them slowly. So we could, this morning, in worship, just take each one of these and and do this, unpack each one of them, and the service would probably get out at about 1.30 today. (laughs) On the other hand, we we might look more closely at just one. So the one that seems to, by virtue of it being repeated, be the main metaphor, I think, I've already alluded to. You are, he says, a holy priesthood. Now, I want us to think about why he says this. It's all about the pressure, the pain these folks are experiencing. We've already said that the most difficult kind of pressure is perceived pressure that is pointless, unexplained. But there's another kind of pain. Pain that is for a reason. A lot of you in this community are 
way into this. Fitness and exercise. <laughs> I see you. I hear you talking about it. I am one of you. I'm into this myself. One of the realities of this kind of self-care that is, sometimes, is that it's sometimes uncomfortable or even painful. Whether it's a, a five-mile run or a 25-mile bike ride, 45 minutes on the elliptical trainer, CrossFit workout, 25 laps in the pool, or passing up chocolate peanut butter ice cream. That last one is especially painful for me. But it's not fun. But, but, there is a point to it, right? There's a reason. You're losing weight, you're getting stronger, you're taking care of the body that God has given you as a gift. When you focus on that reason, it helps you have perspective on the pressure. It helps you endure the pain. Does that make sense? Sometimes when I'm in the middle of a, a, a long bike ride like I was yesterday, I'm climbing up the, a, a hill and it hurts. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was just sitting at home and in this kind of pain, I'd be really worried. Because it would, there would be no reason for it. But I am doing something. I'm getting somewhere. And there's a reason for it. Well, there's something like that going on here, I think. Peter writes to people under pressure for their faith. And here's what he says to them. Hey, remember, you are called to be a priesthood. You are priests. There's a reason for this pressure. There's a reason for the pain. Now, do you know what a priest is? I mean, it's a word that we tend to <clears throat> associate with the Catholic Church. When we think of it, we probably conjure up images of black clothing, a little white collar, a man who was under vows, who can't do certain things, right? We had uh, wonderful neighbors in our early years here at Marys in Marysville. The Michaels family, they lived across the street from us when we lived up on the hill. They had seven kids. They're Catholic. <laughs> anyway, their fourth child, James, was a third grader the first year that, that we were neighbors. And John and Pam, mom and dad, had explained that Mr. Mason was a pastor which is kind of like being a priest in our church. One day I was in the Michael's backyard. We were playing a kind of flyers up game with a baseball and a, and a bat. I was with John and all the kids and their dog, Dashiell, was also in the, in the yard. And just as the game was really getting going, Dashiell got a little too excited and aggressive and he jumped up and he bit me on the backside. And it really hurt. I mean, and I think I yelled, ow! And I turned around and I said, Dashiell, no! And then John, James's dad, also yelled at the dog and then put him in a kennel, some kind of timeout. Nine-year-old James watched this whole drama take place. <clears throat> and after we started playing again, he sidled up to me and said, I know why you didn't swear. I said, 
what? He continued, my dad, when Dashiell does something bad, he swears. But you didn't. I know why. (laughs) Oh, I said, yeah, you can't swear because you're a priest. Apparently, this became one of James's favorite stories to tell to all the family and friends. Our, our dog bit a priest in the butt, <laughs> and he didn't even swear. <laughs> you see, if, if you're a priest, you've given up cursing or saying bad words. It's on the list of things you can't do. That's what a priest is. I'm convinced that if Peter would have been, he he would have been so sad to hear that people thought of priests this way. That because of their assignment, there were things they couldn't do. Because to Peter, their responsibility was so amazingly important. Look at verse 9 in our text. But you are a chosen race, race, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's own people in order that you might proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's look at a couple things here. First, the term royal priesthood or priestly kingdom, it's used elsewhere in scripture and significantly in the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses three and following. This is about three months after the crossing of the Red Sea. Listen to this. Moses went up to God. The Lord called him to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, tell the Israelites, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. A priestly kingdom, he says. A royal priesthood. Israel, at that point, is a brand new nation. People whose life began through the, in their struggle from their being freed from slavery in Egypt. And here, Some of God's first words to them are that they will be a kingdom of priests. Now, they knew what this meant, especially in contrast to what they had been. They had been the lowest of the low, slaves. Now, they were priests. Priests in Egypt were very important people. Second only to Pharaoh in power and authority. This was huge to them. It was an amazing promotion of sorts. They had something important to do in the world. This was not about what they could not do. This was what they were called to do. So Peter is saying, here's where we begin. We have a very important role in the world, in God's kingdom. We have a mission, every single one of us. So another thing. 
The work of a priest is that of brokering the relationship between God and people. Going to God on behalf of the people and also bringing people to God. This is a really important role. In the, note, in the Old Testament times, the priests had a lot to do in the temple because people would bring animals to be sacrificed and the priests offer the prayers for the people and so God would accept the sacrifice and so their sins would be forgiven. But we see here in 1 Peter, not even, that even in New Testament times, the priestly function was still important. And it included everyone who followed Jesus as a disciple. They were all called to be priests. And today, folks, it's still the same. We are all priests. We have a mission as disciples, every single one of us. Peter says, your chosen race, a royal priesthood, priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. The message paraphrases it like this, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. You see, priests have a job to do. It involves sharing our experience of God's grace and mercy and love. It involves bringing people to God. Now, there's a lot of people in the room this morning. We're talking about being priests. Who do you think this includes? Who in the room today is released from priestly responsibility? No one. You are priests. In fact, I encourage you to say this right now out loud. I am a priest. It's a high calling. And it's yours. And it's mine. So let's go back to this question of pressure and pain. Here's the teaching of 1 Peter 2 for you and me. It's not pointless pressure or pain. Whatever it is, wherever it comes from, the fact that you are a priest has something to do with it. Is it physical pain? Have you thought about how God might be preparing you to bring someone to him because of your pain. Now, I don't suggest this in a flippant way. Those who are dealing with chronic, persistent physical pain, you carry a very heavy load. And I don't want to diminish it in any way. But do you have the courage to think of it this way? That it's part of the picture of your calling I'm not saying that God is causing your pain. I know this is tricky, but, but it's possible that your calling may be the key to experiencing the pain as more than pointless. Is, is it pressure from your work? What might, be God, what might God be preparing in your work relationships with those who are experiencing that pressure with you? 
or maybe those who are responsible for that pressure. You might even be called to being courageous enough to pray about the situation and then to tell others that you are doing so. I'm praying about this. I'm asking God to resolve it. And tell someone about that. In doing so, you may be bringing someone into a relationship with God for the first time, brokering that relationship as priests do. Is your pain or your pressure something you experience emotionally? Perhaps it's recurring depression or anxiety. It's tempting to think of all of this as outside your experience of your calling. But something we don't often talk about is that some of the most amazing priestly work over the centuries has been done by those who struggle with mental illness. Did you know that? Again, I realize this is tricky, especially because part of the picture often involves how our, our grasp of reality, and sometimes it's tenuous. But can you imagine how powerful it would be for someone struggling with emotional issues to find that a respected fellow disciple also struggles and is willing to walk alongside, to talk openly about it? Remember, in whatever pain you feel, whatever pressure you have, God is always Always working. Always seeking to call people to know him. Calling us as priests to participate in this with him. Remember, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's you, that's me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Join me in prayer. Oh God, help us to not live our lives compartmentalized. To think of our relationship with you as being separated from our work, from our family, from the things in our lives that are challenging to us that bring us pain or pressure. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to bring it all to you. I pray that you would remind us, God, that you are always at work, that you are building a household of living stones. I pray, Father, that you would allow each one of us to consider our place in that building of your household. We look to you, Jesus, as the cornerstone to teach us and to lead us into what it means to be part of that holy priesthood. As we give you our offering now, Lord, we offer ourselves as well. Through Christ we pray, amen.